Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I saw the 412 area code, the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I knew right away it, it, it was the Steelers. And I just, as soon as I picked it up and heard his voice, it was a very, very surreal moment. And it kind of hit me. Um, really hard at that point that, that this was a dream come true and I don't think that it's still hit me fully yet but being here has is, is kind of helped me along that, that path. It's time for Saverin on Sports. That is TJ Watt, the Steelers' number one draft choice. We're going to be talking about the Steelers' draft. Just a couple of updates here. Um, that being that the Pirates game is going to start at 1.30 uh, in Cincinnati. Raining there, not a good forecast, kind of like here. Uh, but uh, the game will start at 1.30. Uh, we're joined now by Jerry Dulac of the Post-Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network. He, of course, covers the draft for both. How are you, Jerry? I'm good, Stan. How are you? Doing okay. Um, let's get past T.J. Watt. It's a no-brainer. We all knew they needed an outside rush guy. Uh, it looks like they got the best available guy at that point. Uh, but questions begin to arise did they think that wide receiver was a greater new, uh, need than cornerback? Was it specific to Juju Smith-Schuster? Um, uh, would they have been better off, in your view, of taking a higher-ranked cornerback with their second pick rather than waiting to grab Cam Sutton in the third? Well, two things, Dan. Uh, you heard me say last week when we talked that wide receiver would be the first offensive position off the board for them. And you have heard me since the Combine say that their first four picks would be outside linebacker, cornerback, wide receiver, and running back. Well, those were their first four picks, and, and just not in that order. Um, so the surprise of, I mean, the, the picks, where they took, what they took didn't surprise me, and even where they picked didn't surprise me because, I, uh, you know, I've also alluded to the fact that Steelers never turned their back on a skill player, a wide receiver if they have a good number on them, a good grade on them, and that's what it was with, the, with Juju uh, Smith-Schuster. They had a higher grade on him than any other cornerback in the draft at that point in time, and that was a classic case of drafting the best player available, but also at a position where there's, I don't want to call it a need, but there is certainly a concern there, and, and they just want to be protective of that. And so I was not surprised at all. But that was the reason why they did it. They didn't have a cornerback with a grade high enough to match uh, uh, Juju's grade. And so that's why they pulled the trigger, sticking to what they kind of always preach. Okay, so they, they draft the player rather than for need. How much of this, in your view, Jerry, was not trusting Martavis Bryant to stay clean or not believing in Sammy Coates at all? Well, it was both. It was both. And, and I wouldn't go so far to say not believing in Sammy Coates at all, but having some problems believing in, in a, a kind of a, uh, you know, his, his uh, you know, commitment might be a strong word, but just seeing, you know, his, his mental development in Fortitude last year. Um, so I think there are some questions about that. 
And look, they're, just because Martavis Bryant is conditionally reinstated doesn't mean they all of a sudden trust him because they trusted him last time and he let them down. So uh, they can't play, they can't afford to play that game. So um, they really liked uh, Junior Smith-Schuster. You know, he's not an over-the-top game-breaker like Martavis Bryant is, but he can, he's a guy who will go down the field and catch the ball. He'll catch it over the middle. And, and you know, as to the cornerback issue, Stan, the more I look into and talk to different people about Cam Sutton, um, the more I'm fine with that pick where it was. I mean, I, I think they got a good player on the third round. He doesn't have the physical size that they were looking for, uh, you know, ideally, ideally. But he has the qualities that they were looking for with Jabril Peppers and and uh, the kid from Connecticut, uh, I call him Obi-Wan Kenobi, right. um, who they were looking at in the second round. He's a guy who showed in the senior bowl that use, who can play different, is versatile enough to play different positions. And that's what they're looking for in their secondary. That's why they were interested in Peppers. Uh, as, I, as I think I mentioned to you, it's not a case of thinking they wanted a starting safety. Right now, they're, they're looking for players to play in their sub-package, and that's what Cam Sutton gives them. Uh, you know, he's, they also like the Tredavious White in the first round, and, and this kid has similar is built similar to White. White wasn't a tall corner either, but he was an athletic corner who could cover the field, and that's kind of what they like about Cam Sutton. You know, he broke his leg last year, and he missed six or so games, and I think that's kind of what hurt his stock a little bit um, because other people thought he had first-round talent um, if, he, if he were healthy, you know, going into, his, uh, going into this past season. So, um, I, 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 you know, like I said, the more I looked into it, the more I kind of uh, I, I liked that pick. I think, I think he had a chance to surprise people, and I say that because he's a third-round pick. But I, 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 I think once he gets here, I think people are going to see that uh, this kid has a chance. Well, it's interesting to me, if we look at it from a perspective of an overview about the drafting philosophy, not in terms of positions, but oftentimes, you know, teams draft based on where they're at. You know, if you were 2-14 and 14 last year, it's different than if you were 14-2. and two. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm wondering, um, again, maybe Smith-Schuster contributes this year. I mean, you can see that. Um, but some of their picks... They're fourth and fifth round picks, uh, you know, certainly. And you wonder, this team is a legitimate contender. This team right now has to be considered the second best team in the AFC, if not in the entire NFL. Did they concentrate enough on today to have contributions as much as rookies can in their rookie seasons? Did they concentrate enough on winning right now? Well, Stan, uh, you're right about that in that um, uh, this is a team that is a step away from the Super Bowl. And had they not played Tom Brady in New England, I believe would have been in the Super Bowl. And nothing is going to change because everybody but Lawrence Timmons is back, anybody who matters. And, and they're going to get, hope, fingers crossed, Martavis Bryant back. Hopefully they'll have a Ladarius, healthy Ladarius Green. And hopefully Cam Hayward. Uh, and Bud Dupree can play the entire season instead of missing nine and ten games as they did. So when you look at all that and, you know, fingers crossed again, I mean, there's not another team in the league that has the talent they do and probably the expectation uh, that they do. So when you have a missing piece um, or pieces, and there can't be too many, Stan, when they get as far as they did with what they had last year, um, 
you know, you're not that far away. So you address outside linebacker and you address corner. But, you know, again, I'll go back to what I told you last week, what I thought they would draft, and, and it's what they took. Uh, I thought it would be a wide receiver and a cornerback, excuse me, and a running back uh, among their first four picks. And I didn't think they would go heavy like they did the last couple years. Uh, they got a very good outside linebacker in T.J. Watt, a guy they do not have to worry about, uh, uh, you know, leading them to the gym as they did with Jarvis Jones. Um, and, you know, again, we'll see, you know, Kevin Colbert thought all along with cornerback as being the deepest position in the draft, and he's maintained this since the combine that, that you get uh, some good corners through the third round, and, and, and they feel they did. And you know you take a chance on on you take a chance on Brian Allen, who from a potential standpoint now you know what potential gets you stand because you'll just have to wait and see, but a long corner who can run and if he can develop, you know now all of a sudden another year or two you might look at that and say wow they you know that they, they those were good picks for him but I get your point, uh, but I do think they didn't ignore those positions I just didn't think they would go outside linebacker corner safety in the first three rounds. I just didn't think they were going to do that because I didn't think they had to. Well, I'm glad you brought Brian Allen because I wanted to ask about him. I look at his size, and my first thought was, I, I know he can run, but at 6'3", 215, I wonder if they're looking at him eventually as being uh, a free safety. Well, because of his size, perhaps, but I think his ability to run. Now, obviously, he was a wide receiver, which tells you, Stan, he can catch the ball. That's why yeah. they put him that's why they put him on defense. Of course, um, you know, but, people have to remember, Ike only played the position one year in college. He was a running right. back. Right, exactly. And so that, that's the only re- – you know, they're looking at, at kind of, um, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, I think uh, Mike Tomlin was hesitant to use the word raw as much as he just used the word inexperienced in terms of playing the position when they were talking about uh, Brian Allen. But when you look at him physically, I mean, he has – he has uh, the measurables, and, and um, you know, there were some people out there who thought this guy has first-round talent because you look at his size. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Stan, I'm, I'm also of the belief in the last couple days, you know, I've, I've changed my tune about the long snapper. Um, I, after looking into it and, fi- and, and finding out about him, um, that I, I, don't, I don't mind that pick and, uh, in their position. Because of where they are. Look, they don't need bodies. They don't need eight draft picks to come in here and play. But the one starter out of this draft on opening day is probably going to be the long snapper. <laughs> so I don't have a I don't have a big problem uh, with that with that pick either. But you know what? I understand the value of long snappers. I am not going to denigrate uh, how much they mean. As we all remember from that giant game when James Harrison had to go in there and right. do it. You know what can right. happen. But I mean. Isn't Colin Holba there as a free agent? You know, two hours after the draft's over. Stan probably, but go back each of the last two years. A long snap. There've only been. I looked this up. Best as I can tell, and best as anyone can tell, there've only been four long, pure long snappers ever drafted in the NFL ever, and two of them. Now three of them. Two of them though have come in the past two years, and three have come in the past three. Holba being the third. The Patriots took one in the fifth round two years ago in 15, and then the Seahawks took one last year in either the fifth or sixth round. I guess the idea being, look, when you look at those teams, Stan, it's the Patriots and the Seahawks. Rookies, eight rookies aren't going to come in and play. So just like the Steelers, they're they're an AFC championship team. 
you you don't have a you don't have a need for a lot of bodies. So you might as well get specific. And I think when you see those types of teams drafting long snappers, that's why because they don't need a lot of bodies. They just need specific players. All right, let me ask you about the quarterback, Joshua Dobbs. I know they liked him. They had him in for a visit. Do you suspect that he was selected to become eventually the backup to Landry Jones or, excuse me, replace Landry Jones or eventually replace Ben Roethlisberger? I don't think he's here eventually. He was not drafted for that reason. I can promise you that. And, And if he replaces Landry Jones, so be it. I just think that they were looking. I don't mean for, this year, by the way. I mean in a couple years. I understand, right? I understand the Ben. The Ben issue is that's just that would be like predicting Dak Prescott was going to pre- uh, replace Tony Romo. Now Tony Romo has different issues. He had health issues. Ben does not, for the most part, not like Tony Romo. But uh, you know, um, I think Josh Dobbs at best was brought in to be maybe an upgrade at number two. At number two, but not this year. You know, Stan, um, the Steelers think, the Steelers do not have a problem with Landry Jones as the backup quarterback. They feel he's better than 80% of the backup quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, I might, they might be damning him with faint praise, or I might, but that's the reality of the situation. And um, it's not like they were thinking, man, we need to bring in somebody who can be our number two because that's just not going to happen with Josh Dobbs right away. Now, he could get in here, Stan, and, and blow everybody away. I don't know that that's going to happen, but the the mindset is is they didn't bring him in for that reason. That could happen, but I, I think the only thing they were thinking is it could be an upgrade at number two, maybe in another year or two, but also bring in a different type of player. Don't bring in a pure pocket passer. Bring in a guy with some athleticism for today's NFL just in case you need him or that's where you're going. It's an upgrade over Zach Mettenberger. That's the way they look at it. Um, you know, I thought I thought the quarterback would go in the fifth round. As it were, the quarterback was the fifth pick. So when I look at it that way, I go, okay, just like Landry Jones. I didn't think Landry Jones should have gone in the fourth round. I thought he should have maybe been fifth round. But, you know, that's, uh, that's the way it went. And, uh, you know, the guy they liked, the guy they liked as a potential three guy to maybe be a two was, uh, was Webb Davis. Um, they liked Dobbs, but C.J. Beathard went in the third round. I think he went a little higher than they thought. That was the other guy that they were looking at, and they liked Deshaun Watson as well. I don't know if they were sitting there hoping to get Josh Dobbs, but obviously they had a decent enough grade on him at that point among the quarterbacks they were looking at uh, to take him where they did. Well, if the team charter breaks down, Dobbs can always fix it because that's, that's what he does, right? He's an right. aeronautical and engineer. You can never say again that, look, this ain't rocket science. Because exactly. to him, it can be. Exactly. The playbook will seem easy to him. Jerry, great stuff. Wanted to, you know, get a wrap on the draft. I appreciate the time, uh, as always. Now go out there and play 36. Well, Sam, we got the golf show tonight, and uh, so I'll be uh, uh, prepping for that. The weather's not real conducive no. to me going out and playing. But, you know, with the draft over, as you know, Stan, I'm not a big fan of football and shorts. OTAs mean absolutely nothing to me. My next interest level will come when they go to training camp. All right, you got that. We'll be back in touch uh, before then. Appreciate it, Jared. Thank you. All right, Stan. Always good chat with you. All right, same here. Uh, when we return, that's Jerry Dulac of the Post-Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network. Uh, when we return, um, 
something good happened out of this mess in Boston. More of your comments on the Penguins. Plus, Mark Madden will join me today at 1.30. Again, tomorrow on the program, Phil Bork and Matt Williamson. Um, get, I, I want to find out about how he, think, he thinks the, the Bengals did uh, and the Ravens did. Uh, I know the bail bondsmen in Cincinnati are all very happy. Uh, and also about Cleveland. Not that they're a threat, but uh, most people are saying they did well. Three picks in the first, you should. Uh, that'll be on tomorrow's show. But still to come, uh, something good happened in this uh, ugly mess in Boston. We'll talk about that next. Mark Madden at one thirty. Still to come on Saverin on Sports. You realize how vulnerable you are. You know, as I get older, I know I'm not getting out of this alive. It doesn't really matter. But, you know, you're. it only takes, you know, a few people to reflect poorly on, you know, whether it's Baltimore, whether it's New York, whether it's Boston, whether it's Kansas City, it's, it's all relevant. I and mean, it's not, you know, it's a challenge in uh, all sports arenas. That is Buck Showalter, the manager, of course, of the Baltimore Orioles. And they've had their beanball wars, and some, it's gotten out of hand. I and mean, some of it's been ridiculous. They threw a guy out last night for throwing a 77 mile an hour curveball that hit a guy, didn't break, but. You know, given the tensions up there, um, that's the baseball part of it. What was more disturbing were the racial taunts by a Red Sox fan initially at Adam Jones. And then other players of color coming out and saying it's not that unusual, and it's certainly not that unusual in Boston. Well, yesterday... The Red Sox found out who that fan was that used that language aimed at Baltimore's Adam Jones. And what happened was, and they ask you to do this all the time, and I know people are reluctant, and I I can understand that. What happened was, a guy took his young son, I think he was five or six years old, and they were attending their first Red Sox game. And they were sitting either in the row behind or the row in front of this Cretan who yelled out at Adam Jones. And this guy who's there with his five, six-year-old son at his first baseball game says to the offender, what did you just say? And the guy gleefully and gladly repeated it. Upon which, this dad went to the nearest usher, security officer, and reported him. That's how they find out, found out who this guy was. And so what did they do? They suspended this guy and banned this guy, this, I hate to use the word fan, this loudmouth cretin, they suspended him, banned him from Fenway Park for life. He will never be allowed to attend another game at Fenway Park. That's about all you can do, right? And good for them. Good for the Red Sox. It has nothing to do with the fact that they've got plenty of fans, they sell out every game, that's not the issue. The issue is they took immediate action. I did find it interesting. 
that Boston in general has this reputation of being a racist city. Now, I've got family who lived there for a long time, and one family member still does, has lived there for 45 years. And she seems to concur. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com with that attitude. It's interesting because Boston is a bastion of liberalism. It's also the site of many, many, many colleges. And it's not just Boston. It's all New England. They're New England's team. It just goes to show you that youth doesn't mean that you can't be prone to these things, nor your political bent. That's not to say this guy was one way or the other, but we do know that he's a bigot. And that can come from anywhere. Red Sox President Sam Kennedy said during an update about all this Wednesday night, he said, I'm here to send a message loud and clear The treatment of others that you've been reading about here lately is unacceptable. We have to recognize this and that this exists in our culture. It's not indicative of Boston. It's a handful of ignorant and intolerant people. And so they banned the guy for life. Good for them. I know from a fan's perspective that it's not easy. Because if a guy is that stupid and obnoxious, he may also be totally drunk. If you point the guy out, maybe they yank him out. Maybe he's there with three buddies, and they wait for you in the parking lot after the game. Remember what happened to that that poor Giants fan at Dodger Stadium? I don't know what provoked that, if there was an in-stadium issue, but I can understand why people would be rocking to do that. But I certainly salute. This guy's name is Calvin Hennick, a Boston resident, brought his son to his first Red Sox game Tuesday as a present for his sixth birthday. Wrote on Facebook that a neighboring fan used a warrant, a variant of the N-word, And he reported it to security personnel. 
Congratulations to Calvin Hennick of Boston for being brave enough. Won't put a stop to it, but maybe it'll give some people some pause. Sad we're still talking about this, isn't it? 2017. But we all know it exists. One small step for man, for a man, one giant leap for mankind. Mark Madden joins me next on Savern on Sports. Because of maturity, because of uh, the way the game's changed, I, I think he's evolved. I think he's a lot more patient than he used to be. Um, you guys know him probably better than I do. So um, just like any, any veteran goaltender, they, they, they're like a, a fine wine. They get better, and they, they adjust to the game. And, uh, and right now he's, you know, this is two years in a row where guys come in and played very well for the Penguins, and uh, that's a, a real good situation. That is Barry Trotz, head coach of the Capitals. I, I kind of I like the guy, Mark. I have a lot of respect for him. Talking about Mark Andre Fleury. Before we get to all the particulars, you know the way the Penguins played and their will and their skill and their grit, um, the top of this story is is Mark Andre Fleury. No question. And uh, Matt Murray, to my knowledge, hasn't even skated yet. Although I think he's. I think he did. Getting well, if not, he's getting close. Certainly, I think he might. Uh, there was a rumor they saw him putting equipment on at least the other day. He skated without equipment. And then I, I was on the impression that he did, but be that as it may, this is Flurry's net. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know if Sullivan will see it that way because he's a Murray guy. I know he thinks Murray is the better keeper, but I don't think there's any way to remove Mark Andre Flurry from the goal after the way he's played uh, in both series so far. I think he's the difference in this series between being up three games to one and down three games to one. You know, you asked me the question, and I think virtually everybody agreed. One of the surprising things. And that's not to denigrate Mark Andre Fleury's performance in the Columbus series, but when we asked the question or debated it, who had the edge in goaltending, I answered Holtby, and that doesn't mean that I didn't believe in Fleury, but I think there's been a decided difference. Holtby has been horrible, but the, at this point, playing this level of competition, good enough isn't good enough. Braden Holtby makes every save except the one he has to, and on that uh, game-winning goal by uh, Schultz in the power play, and and uh, to 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 preface. You know, the, the Caps had plenty of time to tie the game and win it. That goal came midway through the second period. Although I will say, Stan, I thought the timing of that goal was important. It came inside of three minutes after the Caps had scored two goals in yep. 72 seconds yep. to go from 2-0 down to pull even at 2-2. But uh, that goal was a blast by Schultz. But if Holtby had been any deeper than that, he would have been hiding behind it. <laughs> the guy makes every save but the one he needs to. I want to ask you in general, um, uh, about about the series, uh, and I want you to recount a conversation you just told me about you had with Ron Hainsey. It looked at times as though the Penguins were under siege, and not only because of the shot differential, just because the Penguins were icing the puck a lot. Um, fortunately, they won 55% of the playoffs, which mitigates that somewhat. For the first time, not that they haven't missed Crystal Tang, not my point, I thought they would miss him more against Washington than they would against Columbus. But for the first time, did we see the absence of Latang be a factor where he can make the outlet pass or sometimes skate the team out oh, of trouble? Oh, Stan, I think they've missed Latang in all of these playoffs. Just because they've won as many games they have doesn't mean they're, they're not lacking the things you described. The one-man breakout, the uh, precision of the passes 
into neutral zone. Case in point, that pass Mata made to Hornquist for the breakaway, that was a Latang pass. He makes him five or six times a game. Mm-hmm. Not always for a breakaway, but but you 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 get my drift. He just makes that kind of pass to to you know generate opportunities, turning defense immediately into offense. But uh, I thought the Penguins' defense played a, a really good game in the third period. I was talking to Ron Hainsey after the game, and he said, um, look, you know, we kept them out of the box all except for one play. The Capitals only had one opportunity from, you know, the box, excuse me, the house, the house, the mm-hmm. area right in front of the net, and that was when Lars Eller cut across from, from right to left, and Flurry squared up and stayed with him and made uh, perhaps the save of the night by either goaltender. But uh, it was like a rope-a-dope. I thought the Capitals had a ton of pressure, but they punched themselves out. Uh, their shots got blocked. They got frustrated. They started taking offensive zone penalties. The Penguins uh, didn't have the precision, as mentioned, of Latang in the breakout, but they got the puck up and out with a one-goal lead late in the game, and I thought Cole was a monster. He's become the cornerstone of the defense in Latang's absence. His excellent play has dragged his partner Schultz uh, back to a pretty high level. Uh, Hainsey was tremendous. I, I've rarely seen a left-handed defenseman on the right side who plays the puck on his backhand with as much quality and confidence as Hainsey has. Ole Mata has been, I think, great these playoffs, and last night might have been his best game. Dumoulin and Daly are hurt. They're playing injured. They're, that's no secret. Uh, uh, Daly with the knee, Dumo with the back. I think Dumo still played well because he simplified his game and played around the injury. Daly got to wise up a little bit. I'm not uh, outraged by his play. But if you have a bum knee, don't go up ice as much. Don't join the rush as much. Play a bit more conservative because a few of the bad situations the Penguins have faced in this series, particularly uh, in Game 3, which they lost, were because Daly cheated up ice and couldn't get back. Do you also think, and again, uh, the Capitals spent an awful lot of time in the Penguin zone, uh, do you think that, and this is the old hockey mantra, hits may not show up or have an effect in games one or two, but we get to further in the series. For the first time, do you think that the Penguins' defense is physically worn down a bit? No, I, I didn't get that impression at all. Uh, I think that Martin's doing a great job, Martin rather, Jacques Martin, who runs the defense, is doing a great job dividing up the minutes. If anything, I think Oli Mott has gotten stronger. I think Cole's maintained his level of play. Schultz's last two games have been his best in this series. No, I, I don't sense they're wearing down at all, Stan, uh, barring the two injury concerns, Dumoulin and Daly. Okay, I'm just thinking about the number of shots they have to block. I mean, it's you know part of playoff lore. Um, that's what you have to do this time of year. But you know, a lot of a lot of bumps and bruises, I'm sure. Oh, that's no, why, no, no question. But I just wonder. Uh, you know, the, I, I thought you meant in terms of them, you know, getting worn out, getting tired cardio-wise. I don't see that. Uh, everybody has bumps and bruises. You're, everybody is playing hurt at this point. As you look, at, except maybe Kessel. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Although I, you know what? Uh, Actually, Phil Phil made a great play. We uh, talked about off the air. We did. I Take thought that the- turned. I thought that 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 turned that turned the tide. And that at, from that point, right? On, he took the puck in deep in the yes, third, and and, yes. and and made the Capitals start to play from their own end a little bit. Yes. And also, he made a he made he knocked down a defenseman to steal the puck. He got off kind of a weak backhander, but still, he, he used his shoulder to knock. Oh, the when he had that chance right in front. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think that was an accident, but still, it almost produced well, a goal. Yeah, all right. Sometimes Phil just can't get out of the way, Stan. Well. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding, obviously, because Phil Kessel's played, I mean, he's been unbelievable in these playoffs, as he is in every playoff. 
You asked me on your show on Tuesday about last night. I thought they would win even without Sid. Uh, I'm a big believer in the mental aspect of sports, and especially in this sport. Um, And I've just seen too many Stanley Cup champions who have that it factor. This team had that last year. It seems that they have it again. And more to the point. And Washington doesn't. One of my favorite lines to say about teams that should win but don't, whatever it is the Washington Capitals never had, they still haven't got. Uh, There's something missing, and it might be a brain. I mean, T.J. Einstein with the late high sticking penalty, Carlson with that offensive zone penalty to set up the power play goal by the Penguins, Ovechkin with an offensive zone penalty, and they had to know the game was going to be called tight after what Niskanen did to Sid in Game 3. And they just went out there. I mean, Stan, I'm not impressed by Barry Trotz. I don't think he has any idea what to do at this point, and I think he's losing control of his team. Not to a ridiculous level, but a coach in control of his team like Sully is of the Penguins, they wouldn't go out and take all those dumbass penalties like the Caps did last night. Not to defend Trotz necessarily, but these are some of the same issues we've seen with the coaches who preceded him. So at what point do you look at the core and they keep, you know, they added, they added Oshie, they added Shattenkirk, maybe they shouldn't take any more St. Louis players, but at what point do you say there's something intrinsically wrong with the way this team is put together? Maybe they should bring in Barclay Plager. <laughs> uh, Stan, I, I, I t- I'll tell you, uh, Unless my eyes deceive me, because it wasn't the kind of thing that would show up on the replay. When Oshie took the penalty, the high stick with a minute 57 left, I looked down on the ice, and Justin Williams was like in a catcher's crotch with his head in his hands. Because he has three Stanley Cups. He knows better. And he knows better. And they don't know better. What a dumb penalty. And then I turned on the NHL Network. Oh, boy. That idiot Mike Johnson said they should suspend Benino for... for uh, embellishing and, and I got to tell you I think Nick did embellish a little bit and I'm okay by that it's part of the game but but the other night they're talking about Niskanen and being a hockey play and then the, Mike Johnson and let me tell you Stan if he wants it to be a man's game I saw Mike Johnson play his meager career and he really wasn't much of a man you know that that I, I saw the same thing on the NHL network they kept going and Rupper was there they're going over and over and over a as I tweeted out what makes them so sure that they would have scored with the goaltender pulled? Number two, the the Ovechkin before the Niskanen hit, he got away with that. And number three, did they not see Jake Gensel bleeding profusely from his mouth? Well, no call. Well, Stan, the Oshi high stick was a high stick. I mean, the stick got above the shoulder, and it was certainly around Benino's face. You, you know, a high stick doesn't always have to make contact. You know, the That's threat. True, it, the, but the legitimacy is it's just. It's the arbitrary nature of ignoring those things happen all the time. And it's somehow... Oh, screw those guys. They're on the NHL Network because NBC Sports won't have them. All right. Okay. What does that mean for us? And, and I'm a big Rupper fan. I, wanna, I, I wanna, know you I, are. I want to put it this way. I. But the Mike Johnson stuff, I like, like, Stan, it's like late at night. And I'm watching probably the third replay. That was the first time I saw it because I had to watch Brockmire. And, and I'm, I'm watching, I, I go... Did he just say Benito should be suspended? Over and over and over again, and that whiny guy with him. I don't know who he is. Tony something. Yeah, well, the, the, the faceless host they have along with the ex-players. I forget who it is, too. Well, they should never go away from Catherine Tappern for no, for any reason. Well, for a lot of reasons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One main one. All right, Mark Martin, 3-6. to six. You'll be talking about the game, obviously. Yeah, and we got, we got Kevin Colbert on today to talk about the draft. Okay. Good. I, Stan, I heard a rumor. I'm going to ask Kevin about it. I had a rumor they drafted a long snapper. 
They did. What do you hear? No. Stan, I will not well, believe you, it. You need to get him to confirm it. I will not believe it until I hear it from Colbert. No question. I'd, I, I wouldn't. I'd Stan, l- all he's going to want to do is talk about hockey. Well, well, you know, you'll have to ask him about it. Uh, I would I would not want to be Greg Warren's real estate agent at this point. Well, Stan, I mean, one, one quick line about that is like, you know, Kevin says, and he has to say, they're going to battle in camp. Drafting a long snapper got X amount of ridicule. To draft him and cut him would get, you know, ten times the ridicule plus. You know what Greg Warren's due to make? One million dollars. No question. I, I don't want to pay a long snapper one million dollars. I just don't. And you get this kid for minimum. Not only that, you get him for minimum for the next four years. Right on. Yeah, so there, And Greg's 36. Good guy, but you can find other people to do it. Hey, Stan, he has some money. I wouldn't worry too much about Greg Warren. I'm not worried about him at all. I'm not worried about you either because we'll be listening for Mark Madden 3 to 6, 105.9 The X. When we come back, we'll talk about tomorrow's show. Give you a heads up on that. We'll uh, fill you in. And give you this date in uh, sports. I'm flustered. This date in sports history and birthdays. That's next on Savern on Sports. He gets the best guess because he makes him an offer they can't refuse. Savern on Sports, 970 ESPN, and now on 106.3 FM. Uh, the Penguins uh, day off today. Sid skated. Connor Sheary skated, in case you joined us late. My information is that Matt Murray has done some skating. Uh, he'd be a long way from coming back. You wouldn't expect to see him uh, in this series. And, you know, look, I- even if he does, it would be as a backup. And that would be a good thing. You know, if something happens in the middle of a game, you'd rather see Matt Murray in there than Tristan Jerry. Nothing against Jerry. But, a, you know, a kid playing and his, uh, uh, getting his feet wet in a, in a critical series like this. Uh, look. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Sid. We'll certainly know. We won't know anything until tomorrow and see if he indeed practices with the team before they take off to D.C. Um, I have a sense, you know, it could go either way. Uh, I have this sense uh, that the Capitals, you know, normally teams facing elimination, they rally behind the troops. But I wonder, given the years of buildup and the way that this series has transpired, I don't know if the Capitals have that in them. Having said that, I wouldn't at all be surprised to see the Penguins wrap it up on home ice in a game six, which is, of course, what they did last year. We'll see. We'll talk about with Borky tomorrow at 1230. More draft talk as well. By the way, the Pirates, uh, with Matt Williamson, uh, the Pirates are underway, uh, scoreless in the second, but Ivan Nova, nationally pitcher of the month, threw three pitches in the bottom of the first all-outs. Talk about efficiency. Three out, three pitches to get three outs. He's kind of amazing. All right, time now for this date in sports history. And on this date, in 1969, Montreal swept the St. Louis Blues to win the Stanley Cup. I bring that up only because it was a ridiculous system. The three expansion or the six expansion teams were all in one conference. The established teams, like Montreal, and the other. And these are teams in their third year. But anyway, no surprise that Montreal would sweep St. Louis. Also in this state in 1968. Well, some of you may be old enough to remember the Pittsburgh Pipers, the ABA, and in this state in 1968, the Pipers won the very first ABA championship by beating the New Orleans Buccaneers. And they folded not terribly long after that. 
but it happened on this date in 1968. How about some birthdays to celebrate? He made one of our lineups yesterday for the Tough Guy lineup against the Capitals. Matthew Barnaby, former Penguin, Buffalo Sabre commentator. Matthew is 44 today. Happy birthday goes to Ron Stark, a very good punter in the NFL, including for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ron Stark out of Florida State. I actually called the game when he played Pitt in college at Florida State. He's 58 today. Happy birthday goes to one of the best golfers of his generation. Yeah, how about Ireland's Rory McIlroy? He's 28 years of age today, and a happy birthday goes to this iconic Pittsburgh Steeler. First and goal, Arizona at the two-yard line. Steelers show blitz. He throws the pass up. It's going to be picked up. James Harrison in. He's holding up the sideline. 39 today and still going strong. Happy birthday, James Harrison, 39. Have a great day. See you tomorrow at noon for Saverin on Sports. We are sports. Stay up to date with us on Facebook. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.